Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. On today's podcast, we're going to dive into macros. I'm going to try to talk about micros as well if we can get to it, but this is part two of the, I don't know how many series. (laughs) We don't know how many episodes are going to be in the series yet. Uh, We'll see how long it takes me to get through all the content that I want to get through with you because I like to keep these episodes 45 to 60 minutes. But today we're going to dive right into macros and then hopefully cover a little bit of the micros talk. If you didn't listen to the episode that aired last week on Tuesday, uh, be sure to go check that out because we dove into energy balance. We dove into calories and adherence and tracking metrics and what you need to expect before starting a diet. We talked about a lot that is fundamental and paramount to starting a diet. So this entire conversation of macros is irrelevant if you don't understand calories. So make sure you go check that out because that's going to help you. It's going to kind of give you the foundation, the baseline before diving into this one today. Um, I do want to make a quick announcement because today is the second day of the charity shirt launch. So you guys might have listened to the episode talking about it yesterday. If you didn't, I'm telling you right now, if you did, I'm reminding you, uh, the charity shirts are now live and we're going to put a link to that in the show notes of this podcast. It's a really, really cool shirt. It's actually my favorite design yet because the logo is designed to model after uh, Oasis, the uh, alternative rock group that uh, one of my favorite bands, uh, one of the greatest bands of all time, in my opinion. But <laughs> the uh, shirt is designed after them. It's all white, which we have not done before. We have not done a white shirt, and we made sure that we went with a uh, scoop bottom athletic fit shirt. So it's it's stylish and trendy, uh, but it really really fits well. So I'm super stoked about how these turned out. They're actually my favorite one. I'm gonna order a bunch of them. Um, after I got the test one, I'm, I'm just going to donate a bunch and get a bunch of shirts. So if you want to be like me, if you want to rock these tailored shirts, uh, make sure you click the link in the description. You can go to the page. You can decide how much you want to donate. All donations go to the Make-A-Wish Foundation um, to help support some kid who is in need of making a wish. So if you want to help us make a difference, you can do that by buying a shirt. All the money made from these shirts goes directly to charity, and you can determine how much per shirt you want to donate. Um, So that link's in the show notes. Thank you guys so much for participating. Thank you so much for supporting Make-A-Wish. Thank you so much for participating in our charities to support Make-A-Wish and to support Fuck Cancer like last time. Um, We really appreciate it. It's it's a super fulfilling part of our business, and we're going to keep growing it, and we appreciate you helping us grow that side of it so we can give back. But without any further ado, let's dive into part two of this tailored nutrition method series. So I like to call macros the individualization tool. Um, And we'll get into that in a sec. But first and foremost, let's define that. What is a macronutrient? A macronutrient technically by science and by uh, Google definition is a substance required in relatively large amounts by living organisms in particular. Um, This could be a type of food. Uh, example, fat, protein, carbohydrate, uh, required in large amounts in the human diet. In other words, it's the nutrients that build up our caloric intake. So you could also call this section 
calorie consumption uh, this episode. Uh, because yes, vitamin B and D and C and A and K, they're all important, but they're micronutrients because the size of them is literally smaller than macronutrients. Um, add to that, they do not have any caloric value to them. Macronutrients contain calories. And when we add them up, they equal our total caloric intake, which is what we went over last week. Uh, protein has four calories per gram. Carbohydrates have four calories per gram and fats have nine calories per gram. I know that alcohol is not a macronutrient, but most of us will argue and claim that it is our fourth macro. I've heard people say that uh, caffeine is another macro, but it doesn't have any caloric value. So alcohol is our fourth macro. We're going to go protein, carbs, fats, and alcohol. Uh, because of that, I'm going to break down uh, just briefly, but I want to break down a little more info and details on how to fit alcohol into your diet. Um, I'm going to link a blog in the description of this podcast as well, because there is a uh, really, really good informative blog that we did on tracking alcohol within your macros. But alcohol is a chemical nutrient called ethanol, which is metabolized and processed in the body similar to fat. It has calories in it, and those calories can add up quickly. Because it's liquid form and it's fun to drink, we feel good as we drink more until we get to a point where we don't feel so good anymore. Because of this, it's not recommended in frequent doses, obviously, when, when you're trying to drastically change your body composition, nor is it recommended if you're t attempting to achieve maximal health. Uh, but some in low quantities is totally fine. Alcohol essentially st stops the body's processes, though, um, in, in an attempt to remove it, essentially. So uh, almost like if it's a, a toxin in the body, if you will, uh, and it's got to be removed. This is why it's pretty much impossible to burn fat while drinking alcohol. Uh, you can avoid fat accumulation, like weight gain, if you fit the alcohol into your calories, but assuming results will progress, assuming results in progress will um, kind of pause, right? They will be influenced heavily from the alcohol. Um, so basically what this is, is I kind of look at it like a pause button, right? Like you can technically lose fat while fitting alcohol into your diet. Without a doubt, I do it. Um, I, I drink one to two times a week. I'm going to cut right now. When I get really close to the ending result, I will cut it out completely. But the point is, you can fit it in and still lose fat in the grand scheme of things. While you're drinking alcohol and alcohol is present in your system, it's very unlikely that you are going to be burning fat at the moment. Now, it's okay to push pause on fat loss. It's okay to push pause on muscle growth and testosterone production for men and things like that when we drink alcohol because it's worth the pause, right? But the problem it becomes when we drink every day. And we have too much alcohol throughout the week. We're having a couple glasses of wine every single night. I don't even if you do fit in your calories. Like, yeah, you might not gain weight, but you're not going to see recomposition. You're not going to burn fat and build muscle. Um, so, when you track alcohol, yeah, you should really just include it in your caloric intake um, and try to fit it as best as you can. The best way to go about it is to remove some fats from the diet that day to make room for the alcohol itself, because fats have more calories per gram, and the way alcohol gets metabolizes, um, and mainly too because Fats are, are more likely to be stored as fat than carbs. When carbohydrates get stored as fat, it goes through a process called de novo lipogenesis. And that's a difficult process for your body to do. It's turning the, molec the molecular the molecule of a carbohydrate into a fat, uh, into a lipid. With fat, it doesn't need to do any transitioning. It just stores it. Um, but you can also take from carbs and fat. Sometimes it's a little bit easier from a flexibility and adherence standpoint to simply add alcohol in hit your protein, and just stay within your calories. Don't worry about fats and carbs necessarily. If you're really, really focused on fat loss, I prefer to have you take out fats for the carbohydrates. Um, 
I mean, even so too, because carbs are a little bit more filling, so you probably won't get as drunk as quick, which is helpful for those who are drinking. Um, but I think in general, the, the main thing is, is like, you just have to fit it within your calories and you should be moderate. One to two times a week is fine. One is ideal. Um, none if you're getting on stage or doing a photo shoot in the next four to six weeks. Now, we've covered alcohol uh, and we can kind of move on to the the important stuff. Not that alcohol isn't important to consider here because it is, but um, macronutrients. I'm like, why are they so important? Like, can, why can't you just track calories? I get that question all the time. Why not just track calories? Um, and technically you can, you can't just ca- count calories. Um, because as we know, in the first part of this podcast series, energy balance is the biggest mover in fat loss, uh, or body composition changes in general, which means if you are in a deficit, you will lose body fat. And if you're in a surplus, you're going to gain weight. Some of it's going to be fat, some of it's going to be muscle. But when we consider performance, optimizing recovery, creating hormonal balance and building muscle, macronutrients become very important. Even more important than those uh, those reasons is individualization. Like I talked about before, macros are the individualization individualization tool. Um, they're a tool that allows us to divide your personal caloric intake into a ratio that is not only better for your specific goal, but easier for you to personally meet on a daily basis. This is key because if you create a macro prescription that is great in theory and on paper, but not in practice because you can't apply it long term. You're shit out of luck when it comes to any type of long-term consistency. For most people listening to this podcast, you're probably interested in more than just losing weight too. You probably have some kind of interest in building more muscle, lifting more weight, performing at a higher intensity, whether that's CrossFit or bodybuilding or a, a recreational sport, or maybe you just want to get as lean as you possibly can. Well, in that case, you definitely need to consider tracking and periodizing your macros because we can drop calories and lose weight, but not necessarily lose pure fat. We might lose some lean body mass along with that. So we have to consider macros as just as important of a tool as calories, specifically protein. But let's kind of dive into a case study, if you will. I wrote out a case study for you guys that I think will help you kind of see the picture. So, uh, Guy's name is John. He wants to lose weight and just get rid of his belly fat, quote unquote. He commits to tracking macros or to calories, but not macros because he doesn't want to overcomplicate things and he really just doesn't care about how much weight he lifts or how big his guns are. He just wants to lose weight, right? He's 5'10", weighs 198 pounds, 32 years old, and trains four days a week. Now, we have Matt. Matt is in our other group. He wants to lose weight too. But he also wants to build more muscle mass in the process so he can perform better in his pickup games of basketball. Um, and he wants to, you know, bench more like the dudes in the gym. By coincidence, they just happen to be the same age, weight, and height uh, because that makes this case study experiment a lot easier. And he'll also be training for it this week. The difference here is he tracks calories and macronutrients, whereas John just tracks calories. So with, with Matt, we have full control over his entire intake versus just his daily calories. Six months later, let's say they both reach their goals. John has lost 33 pounds. He's down to 165 pounds now, got rid of his belly, and is much healthier than he was before. He consistently trained but didn't see any remarkable strength gains, but he's happy, he's healthy, and really that's all that matters to him, right? He's, he's, he's smaller. Matt has lost 27 pounds, so he hasn't lost as much. He's down to 171 pounds. But he also got rid of his belly fat and is much healthier. The difference is that he added weight to all of his lifts across the board. He had PRs on a squat, bench, deadlift, everything. He's 
playing better in those pickup games that he was focused on, and he added one inch to, or a half an inch to his biceps, let's say. Um, he built up his chest, his back, his legs, his shoulders, all significantly, because he put on muscle, and he improved his numbers in the gym. So what's the main difference here? Well, Matt lost about just as much body fat as John, but he added six pounds of muscle, or simply maintained more muscle, I guess you could say, because at times doing both simultaneously is, is impossible, obviously, but um, in this process, which may not seem like much, but it has actually a, a significant amount of uh, meat to slap on your body, like six pounds is a good amount of muscle. Like if you think of a steak, like a, a one pound steak, that's a big steak. Think of six of those slapped on your body. That's a lot. Um, now, Matt was a little more disciplined with his tracking because he did have to pay attention to every single macro versus just his calories. Um, John only looked at one number, which fit his lifestyle, his personality, and his goals a little bit better. So the question to ask yourself after listening to me go through this is, is which do you fall under? Both are totally fine. They just build different physiques by the end of the results. See, when we dial in the ratios of proteins, fats, and carbs – we can have more control over how much muscle we build and or maintain over time, which will allow us to not only burn more body fat and increase our metabolism, but it will also increase longevity and improve hormonal performance um, and hormonal balance. In my personal opinion and experience, tracking all the macros makes way more sense. Um, and, and, you know, we'll get the common question of like, what if I don't care about how much weight I lift and I just want to live longer and fix my hormones? you know, um, in the process of, of losing some fat. And this is a very common question, and, and there's a simple answer for that, one that meets both ways in the middle, kind of. Uh, for these folks, we're going to want to dial in calories and your protein intake. Then just let your carbs and fats fluctuate based on how you feel and what you crave more often. That way you get the benefits of protein being higher and still have your calories dialed in, which is what most studies show leads to the weight results. So they will do studies with just calories or they will do cal ones with calories and protein and the calories and protein always, always outperform. So the rule of thumb is that if your calories and protein are uh, equated to where they need to be on a daily basis, you're going to see the progress you want to see. Um, now, well, having all macros tracked, uh, and managed help you a little bit more? 100%, absolutely. Uh, my point is that it's not always required. Uh, this is a, a debate of optimal versus practical, essentially. It's no question that having your entire macronutrient spectrum dialed in is more helpful, but for some, it's just not feasible long-term. So we have to always consider what's practical versus only what's optimal. Um, so how do you figure out where to set your personal macros if you are the type that's like, I want optimal, which a lot of you listening to this podcast will be. Most of our clients are. Most of us on the team, in fact, all of us on the team are. We like to have optimal. We like to dial in. We like to push our performance. We like to improve our recovery. We like to see the data and the numbers. We want the best results possible. And we're willing to sacrifice the extra five minutes a day to track all those calories and macros. Um, but how do you figure out your own personal macros? Before we can do that, you need, we need to kind of discuss each macronutrient individually so you can really fully understand what they are and why they're so important, why we set things the way we do. And then from there, we can kind of dive into calculating your own, um, which I will go over very briefly today. Like we will cover that on the podcast, but I think it's more important for you guys to see it on paper. It's a little bit easier for you to pull something up. So again, like I mentioned uh, in the last podcast, make sure you download the ebook that is on the same exact topic. In fact, it's titled the same thing, The Tailored Nutrition Method. It's a free ebook. It's 87 pages. It'll have everything I'm talking about on this podcast series and more in writing. 
that book gave the blueprint for these podcasts. So when you get done listening to this, if you want to be able to double check what you've done, if you want to kind of fact check things, you want things in writing, go check out that book. Now, protein is the first one we're going to talk about, and it's debatably the most important macronutrient there is. Um, The reason is pretty simple. It's an essential nutrient, which means you literally cannot survive without consuming protein. Uh, Protein is what helps us build rebuild tissues in the body. It keeps systems running from a muscular and skeletal system to the nervous system and the immune system. Almost every function of the body needs at least some protein to function, manage, and continue working. We need protein for enzymes in our body, skin, and hair growth, and many hormones like metabolism, adrenaline, testosterone, and growth hormone. The point is, you need protein, and when it comes to changing your body composition, the biggest reasons are are mainly going to be that protein rebuilds muscle tissue, which allows us to recover, train hard again, and build more muscle. The more muscle we build, the more fat our body will burn, most likely. Uh, Protein has the highest thermic effect of food, which means it takes more calories to digest it, um, which, yeah, means you actually burn calories and work towards your fat loss goals from simply digesting food, specifically protein, because it's so much higher. I think it's like four times higher than fat and three times higher than carbs or something. I got I want to say it's around 25 to 26%. And, and I think carbs are around 13. And I think fat's around like five or less. It's pretty low. Um, and those are, those are complete estimates and guesses. So I'd have to, I'd have to, you have to fact check me on that. Uh, point being, uh, you burn a lot of calories with protein and, and it's because it's harder to break down and utilize than other nutrients. And because of this, it's smart to have a higher percentage of calories coming from protein. So you can keep that TEF thermic effect of food higher. Another reason is because protein is extremely hard to store as body fat. It's smart to burn fat while consuming as many calories as possible, which makes having protein higher even more valuable because it's damn near impossible to store as body fat. Uh, Now, there is clearly an upper limit. You can't just consume more and more and more as you will have issues in your gut and, and possibly other organs in the body. But we do know that it's necessary to have a larger percent of calories coming from protein. And as we've seen in protein overfeeding studies by Dr. Jose Antonio, Dr. Bill Campbell, these, these individuals go well beyond the recommended dosage of protein, even well beyond the recommended dosage that I'm going to talk about today. I'm talking literally two grams or more per pound. So take your body weight and double it and eat that much protein. Way too much protein to be comfortable, and it's way too much protein to be necessary for better results. You're not going to build more muscle from that. However, these individuals didn't gain body fat in the studies. So what that tells us is that it's extremely hard, if, if not impossible, to store that protein as body fat. Um, protein is the most satiating nutrient. This is the last thing. It's the, the most satiating nutrient you can consume, um, which means, in other words, you stay full for longer when, it, when you consume a lot of protein. And as anyone who has ever been on a diet before knows, this is a good thing. If we can keep you full and satisfied during the deficit, adherence and consistency becomes much easier, and then we know we're going to see better results. So as you can tell, you're going to need to prioritize protein if you plan to drastically change your body composition, whether that's for less fat, more muscle, better performance, or health and all of the above. Next, we're going to consider fat. Uh, Fats are another essential nutrient, which is why we're going to discuss it second. Uh, You can't live without it. So technically, you could just eat protein and fats for the rest of your life, and you'd be totally fine. That's why the keto diet ketogenic diet has become so popular as of late. Um, but in my honest opinion, living fine, quote unquote, isn't, it's not good enough. And I know with a balance of all macronutrients, you can thrive instead of just surviving. Um, that's not a knock at keto either. Some people do function much better on them, but from my experience and knowledge, the majority of people work better on a balance of all three macros. Um, but again, there's, you know, there's, there's outliers for everything. So why are fats so important though? 
fat is a crucial hormonal health uh, nutrient, first of all, which is one of the biggest and most recognized reasons to consume an adequate amount of fat. This is one of the, the reasons why this is an essential nutrient as well as you, you can't live without it. Number two, fat is a primer for the nervous system um, and the axon is what it's called, which is a major part of the nerve that transmits electrical signals from the brain throughout the body um, to, ni- to initiate all functions. Uh, and, and that axon inside your nervous system is made up of 80% lipids, which is fat. Um, this means for full neurological capabilities and optimization, we need adequate fats in our diet. This, in my opinion, is the most underrated benefit of fats because when we look at building strength in any movement, it's 80 to 90% neurological and without a prime nervous system, strength, it's just not an option. Um, Number three, fat is a secondary energy source. When we look at low intensity activities, things like walking or any other slow physical movement um, and even daily activities, things like desk work and moving around in the house, fat is our fuel source. It's not great for explosive energy, but it's great for daily energy needs when glycogen doesn't need to be utilized, which is the least important thing about fats, in my opinion. Now we can kind of start to see the benefits of, of the different macronutrients and why it's so important to have multiple. Um, this, is, this is kind of why we like to play the macro game. We like to create an individualized approach to your nutrition because you, you really do win the game of reaching results when you do that. Um, the last nutrient, which is my favorite, carbohydrates, uh, which you know we've discussed how important protein is and we've broke down how crucial fats are. And at this point, you're probably thinking like, do we even need carbs? Besides the fact that they taste good, and you probably crave them all the time. <laughs> Not quite. Um, although that statement holds a lot of truth to many people reading this right now, it's not why we should be consuming carbohydrates in our diet, right? Like it's not just for taste. It's not just because you crave them. It's because it creates balance and it allows us to thrive. Each macronutrient has benefits and duties in the body, which allows us to live life at a much higher level, which is why I don't think you should, we should negatively uh, impact or neglect um, any of the macros. Right? We don't want to negatively impact our results because we're neglecting any of the macros. But uh, a few specific examples as to why carbs are so important. Um, number one would be performance, first and foremost, obviously. Uh, carbohydrates aren't technically needed to survive and go about daily tasks and activities, but if you want to perform, then carbs are your fuel, period. Um, Carbs are the body's primary fuel source when it comes to higher intensity activities and muscles being able to actually work for us. Number two, carbs are a part of the process to activate and produce ATP, um, adenosine triphosphate. I always butcher that word. Uh, In fact, as much as 80% of that ATP production is derived from uh, glycolysis, which is the production of glucose. But ATP is a major component in anaerobic training, which is a major component in getting stronger and building muscle because anaerobic training is is anything that's explosive, heavy, or revolving weightlifting, essentially. Uh, but this means that if we're looking to maximally stimulate results through strength training, carbohydrates are needed because they help us generate the exact fuel substrate in our body that translates to hard performance. Um, Number three, uh, research is pretty limited on this one, but there's some evidence that leans towards the combination of protein and carbohydrates positively impacting muscle protein synthesis and or just anabolism in general. Um, Muscle protein synthesis is the anabolic signal our body creates when we ingest protein as a nutrient or when we train in the gym. This is a major player in the game of building muscle. And although the research doesn't 
clearly say that carbs help that. Uh, a lot of people think carbs do play a role in boosting that effect rather than just carbs alone or just protein alone. But more importantly, carbs spike insulin, uh, which has a, a downward result on it has an uh, inverse relationship with cortisol. If we can blunt cortisol more frequently, we're likely going to recover better and build more muscle because cortisol is catabolic. Um, insulin is anabolic. So if we want, and, and there's, there's a direct correlation to amino acid production and flow in the body related to insulin. So if we consume carbs, we spike insulin, we are more likely to build some muscle is, is my point there. And that directly relates to combining protein and carbs together to get this anabolic effect. You know what I absolutely hate? Prepping my own meals. I hate sitting there and cooking meal after meal, putting them in containers, saving them myself, doing all the work, and they never turn out good because I suck at cooking. But that's why I started using Eat to Evolve. In fact, you can head over to eattoevolve.us and enter the promo code BOOM20 to save 20% on your first order. They give you free shipping if you order over $100, which is pretty damn easy to do if you're setting up most of your meals, and it's never frozen, so it's actually fresh. This is not some microwavable mush you're going to get from any other company. This is a gourmet meal, and if you follow me on Instagram, you may have seen some of those meals on my story, my favorite being the maple shredded pork with sweet potato hash. But the reason I wanted to bring this to your attention is because this is our newest podcast podcast sponsor and I couldn't be more excited because it's actually good meals done for me. They have the macros on the container and they're going to work for our clients as well. So if you are in need of a meal prep service, you're tired of prepping your own meals or you just suck at cooking and you're too lazy to do it yourself or learn, this is the perfect place to go. Again, eattoevolve.us. There's a link in the description of this podcast and you can enter the promo code BOOM20 to save 20% on your first order. Without any further ado, let's get back into the podcast. And the last reason is recovery is another um, uh, big one. Uh, and although protein is definitely the number one source for this, carbs help replenish muscle glycogen for future performance and, and can actually help build, rebuild more muscle tissue when protein isn't available because it's a protein-sparing nutrient. So once again, even if we just look at it from a recovery standpoint, which then for leads to but more training in the future, which therefore leads to better body composition, then we're probably going to uh, need some carbs. Um, now, there's a few added things that I would say are benefits. Uh, They're not on the main list of what carbs directly do, but they are going to help. Um, The first one is hormonal health. And even though fats are known as the bigger mover for hormonal balance, if we do not consume enough carbs, we risk negatively impacting hormones like leptin, ghrelin, which are hunger hormones, um, the thyroid, which is one of the biggest influences on the metabolism, and even the adrenal glands. Mainly hormones revolving around metabolism and energy or fatigue, like the adrenal glands. Um, now, you can keep those regulated and balanced on a low-carb diet. It just becomes a bit harder. And if you're in a situation where your adrenals are already in pretty bad shape, you want to make sure you include a decent amount of carbs in your diet because it's going to help re- resolve that stress. But the biggest regulating factor with keeping hormonal health high is making sure you, you're not in a serious caloric deficit. So all the macros matter here, right? Like I, if you're in a big deficit, I don't care if you're on a high fat, low fat, high protein, low protein, high carb, low carb. It doesn't matter what kind of diet you're on. If you're in a severe deficit, your hormones are going to take a hit. And that's just part of it. That's part of hormonal and metabolic adaptation. But the point being is I don't want people to only focus on fats for hormonal health because carbs play a big role in hormones as well. 
another thing is it, it's an easy way to just get enough fiber in your diet because 75% of fibrous foods are also carb sources, right? They're carb-dense foods, whether that's from veggies or root, like potatoes uh, or fruit or whole wheat grains. Typically, more carbs will lead to more fiber. Obviously, there's refined grains like white rice that doesn't have much fiber, but there's a lot of carbs that are lower glycemic that do have a ton of fiber in it. And fiber is an is unbelievably essential for health, for digestion, for gut health, for cholesterol, so many different things. But we'll, we'll get into fiber later because there's a separate section on it. Um, and the last thing to note on this too is like carbs are practically everywhere. So like it kind of sounds like a joke, but it, it's also somewhat true, right? Like often we look at social settings or eating with friends and families Carbs are included. So if we remove them completely, normal life just gets harder to accomplish while being on a diet. So having a balanced diet with carbohydrates included in it allows us more freedom and flexibility that more importantly leads to adherence and consistency, which is why control equals freedom, right? If you control your nutrients, if you control your diet, if you control the metrics, you actually have more freedom with your diet. Um, that's about, that's like the rundown of carbs. It's like carb 101. I'm also going to link a, a blog or two in the, the show notes of this podcast that talk about carbohydrates. Uh, we have one called seven things you didn't know about carbs. And then I, I just wrote another one called carb cycling um, that I think you would like. So I'm going to make a note to put those in the, the podcast so you guys can uh, check those out. Um, cool. So uh, the next thing to go over is, uh, and this is before we kind of move on, I want, I want to like kind of go back and reflect on a little bit uh, about performance because performance is the number one thing that will lead to body composition changes, at least from a strength and a muscle standpoint. See, nutrition is by far the biggest mover for fat loss. If you don't focus on it, you're not going to get very far. But if you're not training hard, then you're not going to create long-term results or the body that you can be proud of. The, the reason why is pretty simple. Food doesn't stimulate muscle growth to a meaningful degree at all. However, intense training does, which means not only do we need this to grow muscle, but we also need to create more definition during a cut by maintaining as much muscle as possible while during the cut. So if we can utilize carbohydrates in the diet in order to train harder, then we will build or maintain more muscle, increase hormonal production, burn more fat, and even just burn more calories per session because we have more energy. That is why the term eat less, move more makes sense from a scientific and theoretical standpoint, because yes, less calories in and more calories out means you will burn more fat. But after a certain period of time, your body will adapt and become more efficient, which leads to less caloric expenditure. This is the metabolic and or thermogenic adaptation theory that we've talked many times about. But my best advice to you, the person listening to this, and if you're, especially if you're somebody who wants to shed as much body fat as possible and get really lean, is to pay close attention to the periodization section um, of this podcast. And I'll, I'll link a blog to that. We have a blog on basically everything, as you can tell. <laughs> so I'll link a blog to the periodization as well um, because it's super helpful to kind of see those things laid out. But you got to pay close attention to that because that's how you're going to be able to treat fat loss like a thermostat, essentially, right? Like turn it up when needed and turn it down when you need to. Implementing cuts and maintenance blocks, surpluses, lean gains, um, whatever you need to do in a, in a cyclical fashion to a, uh, to avoid overly adaptive thermogenic processes. So becoming too metabolically adapted or hormonally adapted because you're dieting too much, too often, too hard. Um, and instead of, to, of focusing on like continuing to just eat less, move more, 
the idea I like to instill to my clients at the beginning is eat more, train more, because it prepares them for the long run. And we've talked about this G-flux theory before. Um, this way, everything is thriving. And al- although it may take a little longer for fat and weight to start falling off your body, the results will last much longer and they will be much more prominent because you're priming your body uh, before dropping into a big deficit. Um, when it comes to building muscle, though, there's, you know, eat eat more, train more is the only way to go. Obviously, we don't even have to talk about eat less. But when it comes to a diet, sometimes it's important, especially to start out. Don't just eat less, move more. Start with eat enough or eat more or move more, right? Start at maintenance. It's really, really important. So so now that we know everything about carbs, fats, and proteins, uh, we need to know what it, what it, uh, when it comes down to macros and, and like how do we how do we break down a, a prescription for yourself, right? So we, we got to break down how you can tailor the macros to you. Um, so for, for easy math, I just kind of took, I'm going to use the same notes that we had before on Matt and John. Um, and we'll start with, we'll start with Matt because he had a better body composition result in my opinion. He was 198 pounds. And as you remember, uh, in, in the first section of the podcast series, Energy Balance, the last podcast last week that you should have already listened to, uh, we should multiply his body weight by 10 to get his estimated maintenance, right? Remember that this is not the way I do it always or recommend to most, but since we, you know, we don't have his food logs the last two weeks, he's a fake person, we're just going to, we're just going to run with it, right? So his maintenance is 1980 and we're going to round up to make things easier um, and, and give him 2000 calories, right? And, and I recommend people doing this quite often. Like if, if somebody has... 1,967 calories as their prescription you come up with, just round it up to at least 75, you know, at least increments of 25, not 50 or 100. It's just, it's it's pointless confusion in creating OCD te- tendencies. Um, but his maintenance is 1980. Uh, we'll round up to 2,000. And then we got to use his activity multiplier, which he's pretty inactive uh, besides training. So we're going to go on the low end. We're going to go 1.3. Um, so he's got 2,600 calories. So we're going to cut 500 calories per day in hopes of getting 3,500 calories per week um, of a deficit to lose one pound of fat per week, right? Which leaves us with 2,100 calories. The reason I broke this down this way first is because we can't determine macros without calories being determined first, which is why uh, part one was part one, right? We need that baseline. We need that caloric intake and energy balance before we can dictate what the macros are actually going to be. And the first thing to calculate, as you probably guessed, because we went over it first, it's protein. We're always going to set this first because it's the most important in having, uh, in terms of having a set number. It also changes a bit depending on where you're at with your goals, uh, whether you're cutting or gaining fat loss or muscle growth. <clears throat> but studies have shown time and time again that having a higher percentage of your diet coming from protein will aid in muscle preservation while dieting, which is massively important if you want to retain any type of muscle mass uh, that's appreciable while losing body fat which is usually the goal, right? You want to get lean and you want to look lean. You don't want to look skinny fat. Uh, but studies also show that there isn't much difference in the, the results of body composition change occurring between zero, excuse me, 0.7 grams per pound and uh, 1.5 grams per pound, which is much higher, uh, both of which are technically higher percentages. But I would say 0.7 is definitely not high if you have any type of training or bodybuilding experience but what they did find is that the athletes on higher protein noted less fatigue from training and did not store extra body fat despite the extra calories coming from protein the the big takeaway here is pretty simple if you like to eat some extra protein you should do it it really can't harm you and there's a a possibility it actually might benefit you especially if you were in a serious deficit for a period of time 
um, because there's an upper limit though. Uh, don't take in, you know, two to three grams per pound of body weight and expect to not be bloated or gassy and uncomfortable. Uh, but my recommendation is to set it at 0.7 to 1.3 grams per pound of your body weight. More specifically, I most commonly give people 1 to 1.1 grams per pound. That's the most frequent. And then occasionally with a lighter female, I'll go 1.2, 1.25. Um, but uh, 0.7 is the low end of the spectrum that I rarely ever go to unless weight to be lost is greater than 40 to 50 pounds because we're calculating off an obese individual. Or if, if I'm working with somebody who has kidney dysfunction, kidney issues, has had uh, kidney transplant, anything like that, we're going to go with a lower protein intake because their body can't process the, the, the protein properly without the kidney. <clears throat> but 1.3 is pretty high. It's on the higher end. So I don't, um, and I also don't use that too often, but uh, we'll take it there when someone is already lean, looking to get shredded. Um, if they need more satiation during a cut, is they're already a very light body weight, like I said before, like 100 to 125 pounds, or is getting ready for something like a physique competition or photo shoot because muscle maintenance is key, and an ultra-high protein diet intake uh, is associated with helping muscle preservation even more. Um, so the way I kind of look at this for protein requirements for cutting or fat loss is if you have 50-plus pounds to lose – you should go with 0.7 grams per pound of body weight. If you have 30 to 50, you can go with 0.8 grams per pound of body weight. If you have 15 to 30, you can go 0.9 to 1.1 grams per pound. It's usually where I lay the at the most. And then 0 to 10 pounds, you're trying to get shredded 1 to 1.3 grams per pound. I believe me personally, I, th I believe I'm at 1.2 grams per pound just out of preference. And I was even in that during my gaining phase. But um, as for muscle gain, uh, speaking of which, some will argue that it can actually be much lower because you're in a caloric surplus and that implies that you have more protein-sparing nutrients, being carbs mainly, um, and are in a catabolic state far less often if after compared to when you're in a deficit. And I would agree with this because theoretically speaking, that does make sense. You are in an anabolic state more often if you're in a surplus. But in my experience, as you raise carbs up to higher amounts to promote more muscle growth and better training, we're also limiting our highly bioavailable protein sources because we're naturally getting more from carbs like oats or potatoes. So in these situations, I prefer to add uh, a little bit more protein as I raise carbs to get rid of those trace proteins. Like an example of this would be if I add 50 grams of carbs and I put more oats in my diet, that's, you know... That's another five to 10 grams of protein from oats and potatoes and veggies with those carbs. So I'd rather bump up my protein a little bit higher so I, so I can still get that minimum needed bioavailable sources, which is usually from animal products. It's going to be the most anabolic. Uh, but protein requirements for gaining muscle are a little bit different, but not too far off. And, and the way you do this is basically a beginner or an intermediate and advanced individual. If you're a beginner, you can stick with 0.8 to 1 grams per pound because you don't need a ton. You're, you're neurologically speaking, you don't know how to train hard enough to create a maximal stimulus or reach close to your, your, your performance potential yet. It's a neurological thing you have to build skill with. Um, if you're an intermediate or advanced, uh, about 1 to 1.25 grams per pound of body weight, um, which is a little bit higher, but typically the more advanced you get, the more suitable a higher protein intake is. Um, but if we come back to the case, that if we come back to Matt, our example, um, he, we know he's consuming 2,100 calories. His goal is to lose body fat. Um, and as we saw in his earlier example that we went over, his weight loss goal was about 20 pounds. 
So that puts him in the 0.9 to 1.1 gram per pound category. So how do we determine the exact number? Ease, adherence, and uh, preference. I just ask the client literally and base it off what I feel would suit them best and then look at their dieting history to make a final decision. In his case, because he wants more muscle mass and at the end of the day, he can eat a good steak, we're going to base it off one gram per pound. And because simple math is always best to do things um, and to start and then build it up as we go a bit deeper into the deficit. So 198 times one gram would be 198 grams of protein, but rounded up to 200 grams per pound, uh, 200 grams uh, of protein times four calories because there's four calories per gram is about 800 calories, which leaves us with 1,300 calories to spare for fats and carbs. Um, after we figure this out, right, we've decided what his protein is, 200 grams. We've decided how many calories come from his protein, 800, and we decide how much is left, 1,300, for carbs and fats. Uh, we tackle fats first because even though it doesn't directly impact his performance in the gym or on the basketball court as much as carbs do, it's critical for health as we know, and it's, and it's essential nutrient. We need to make sure that you're getting the minimum amount of. Um, in this scenario, we're going to set it at 25% of his caloric intake. 20% is the bare minimum for healthy fat loss and any higher than 35% takes away from carbs and, and protein a bit too much in my opinion. Uh, so 25% is plenty for hormonal health, nervous system function and dietary flexibility, but allows wiggle room in case we just, we need to adjust down the road. 15% of calories coming from fat is the absolute lowest I ever suggest allowing fat intake to get. And that is when you're on extreme fat loss protocols, such as like contest prep, or you have 50 plus pounds to lose because those percentages kind of go out the window when you're in a surplus and or when you are, uh, when you have that much weight to lose. So for example, if you're in a surplus, we know for a fact you're going to be in an anabolic state. You're not having the, the stress placed on your hormones as much because you have plenty of calories coming in from other nutrients, but point, point blank, calories equal hormonal health more than anything. So, you know, if you're in a huge surplus and you're at 15% of calories coming from fat, you'll be fine, you know, but if you're in a deficit and you have 15 calories, 15% of your calories coming from fat, you're going to be hurting, right? And metabolically and hormonally speaking, you're going to start seeing more metabolic adaptation and hormonal issues, um, which is part of, it's part of the journey when you're doing something like contest prep. But, uh, so 2,100 calories times 0.25 because 25% would be 525 calories. Uh, if you divide that by nine, it gives us, which is how many calories per gram of fat there is, gives us 58.3. So we can just call that 60 grams, uh, which is actually 540 calories, not 525. Um, and then we go 540 calories plus 1800 calories equals 1300, 1,340 calories. If we take that away from 2100, we have 700 calories, 760 calories left. So carbs are always the most simple to figure out because we just leave them for the end and we just give whatever calories we have left to them, right? Many of you know this. So 600, 760 calories divided by four equals 190 grams carbs. So Matt's intake would be 2100 calories, 200 grams of protein, 190 grams of carbs, and 60 grams of fat. Now, we're going to make this a little bit more difficult uh, since I know a lot of you listening to this like to to make things complicated and like to geek out on the science and all that stuff what happens if matt keeps going over his carb intake and or maybe he feels like his performance is suffering a bit simple 
we can adjust his carbs and fats to help him optimize adherence and performance. We know that 20% of calories from fat is the bare minimum, which would be 46 grams of fat in his case. So we can strip some fat from that and add some carbs. So maybe we make his intake 200 protein, 210 carbs, and 50 grams of fat, right? We took away 10 grams of fat and we were able to add 20 grams of carbs because it's almost double, right? What happens with this is, you know, what happens if he was performing just fine we wouldn't need to do that but what happens with this is now performance is going to go up maybe his adherence is going to be better because he likes carbs more now he's training harder now he's more motivated now his adherence is better now his sleep is better stress is lower like it's a win-win now in the reverse if if it was the opposite like let's say he was performing just fine but he actually struggles to hit his carbs like he doesn't hit them and he keeps going over his fat and is fine being well under 210 grams carbs so in that case we keep the calories the same keep the protein the same, but we make carbs 155. So we're taking away carbs. And then we bring fats all the way up to 75 grams. And just like in the last case, this case, he's going to be adhering better. Uh, For fat loss and weight loss purposes, it doesn't matter where carbs and fats are. In many cases, his performance or strength might not be as high without as much carbs. But for some people, they can get by with that. And if it allows him to stick to the diet for longer, that's really what matters. Um, And if we have the scenario where adherence is fine, However, he's just not losing fat, and maybe I don't want to strip more calories or add cardio in just yet. I may alter the calorie composition, uh, the macro ratio, just to see if his body responds better to a different ratio of carbs or fats. You know, the ability to know when this is a smart move greatly comes down to just experience as a coach. There's really no method or sign I can give you on this podcast to tell you when you know you need to adjust uh, fats down, carbs up, or carbs down, fats up based on their plateau, but even if he's adhering fine, he doesn't care where they're at, but he's not making progress and I don't feel like stripping away food, I might just tweak macros up and down and it usually creates a better result. Um, So as you can see, there are a million ways to skin a cat, right? There's really no best ratio of macros um, specifically to follow. It comes down to how you personally feel on the given macros and exactly what you can adhere to easiest in the long run. Low-carb works, high-carb works, even balance works, everything works. Remember that calories in versus calories out is king. Macros just allow us to fine-tune things to get uh, you performing better, recovering better, and adhering to the diet more consistently. This is where having a coach who has experience and expertise in which macro ratios seem to work best for a given individual um, and the specific goal seems to work best all the time, or at least finding somebody who can help you discover what that is. It can be confusing, it can be overwhelming, and it can be hard to determine what you individually need, which is why I try to record podcasts like this and create content to help you guys. But if you can manage the math and be patient, your results will speak for themselves. But if you can't, or that frustrates you, or you don't have that patience, which I totally understand, that's where you should apply for coaching. And this is a shameless plug. You should click the link in the description of this podcast. Apply for a free coaching call. There's no strings attached. You get to chat with the coach and see if this is the right fit for you. But it's our job to eliminate all the guesswork, all the calculations, all the prescriptions, all the adjustments for you. Okay, so uh, to kind of summarize the macros of this, uh, you know, for cutting, you're going to have about 0.7 to 1.3 grams per pound of body weight, which is a big range. Um, for, uh, fats, you're going to have 15 to 35% of total calories. Usually 20 to 25% is ideal. Um, carbs, you're going to give whatever's left, uh, for building muscle, you're going to go 0.8 to 1.1 grams per pound of body weight, which is a smaller window. Uh, cause we're not worried about the satiation factor. Uh, we're going to give 20 to 30% of calories, to fats. And I would actually say that this could be 15 to 
ideally this is actually like 15 to 25 percent if I look at anecdotal experience because as carbs go up the percentage of fat naturally goes down and you don't need more and more fats as you go into a surplus to build muscle uh, and then as always carbs are just whatever's left so we're approaching 45 minutes of this podcast and I think I'm going to wrap it up there we have a, a full section to cover with vitamins, minerals, fiber, water intake, sodium, uh, all the like finer details of, of nutrients, micronutrients, and, and the little details within the macros. And I think we're going to save that for the next podcast because we're already 45 minutes in. There's no way I can cover that in 15 minutes. So tune in next week. You will hear the uh, quote unquote everything else version where we dive into all the weeds of uh, micronutrients, uh, hopefully supplements and meal timing in it as well. And that will wrap up and we'll make this a three-part series. But you guys know me, I like to rant, so I can't promise that. However, if you like today's podcast, please do me a huge favor, share it with a friend, send it to somebody via text, email, Instagram, I don't care, post it on your story, tag me. The goal is to spread this message and to help people get better education for better results and get better at doing their own nutrition. That's what we do as coaches, we teach. So if you want help, hit us up. If not, share this with a friend so they can get the help they need. Um, Other than that, that's a wrap, guys. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and I will catch you next time.